Hello again listeners and welcome to another edition of the Just Checking In podcast. This podcast as always is brought to you by Vent, a place where everyone, but especially men and boys, can open up about their mental health issues, break down stigmas and start conversations. As always, I'm your host, Freddie Cocker, and I'm the founder and editor-in-chief of Vent. As you may know by now, each pod, I check in with a special guest. We have a natter about all things mental health, as well as anything and everything else they're passionate about. If it helps that person with their mental health, we'll discuss it. On to my special guest now, and this is someone who's breaking down barriers in her professional life, all with a bit of wit and nerdy science banter to boot. Yeah. She's someone who was a bit of a face in the East London Essex community <laughs> when we were growing up, and who is now carving out her own path in the media sector. So I'm delighted to be welcoming Izzy Clark onto the Just Checking In pod. Izzy is a freelance audio producer and science journalist, is that correct? Yeah. Excellent. Um, before going freelance, she had previously worked on the Naked Scientist podcast, which has got, I think, checked it the other day, and it got 20, 27,000 odd followers. So yeah. pretty well-established podcast, more than mine. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for that. Um, which was for BBC Radio 5 Live, and she's also uh, done some work for Radio National in Australia. She was also assistant producer at BBC Radio 6 Music, and is presenter of a new upcoming podcast, which depending on when this goes out will not be new, but might have already come out, um, <laughs> with the Royal Astronomical Society, which is coming out in January 2020, is that Yeah, right? so a Excellent. new space podcast, because Excellent. everyone needs that. And not them. Space Force. No. No, nothing to do with Space Force, <laughs> no, right? Okay, no, cool. not quite. Um, she also once wrangled a miniature cow for a science TV show, <laughs> so Izzy's asked me to put that one in. I'm not actually sure why, but... I'm so glad that you actually did. So I worked for a science TV show, which was um, this thing called The Christmas Lectures. Oh, my mum loves that. Yeah. She loves this. I'll tell her to listen to this one. She abs- she makes us watch that every year. I'm like, so I'm not watching The Christmas Lectures. It's so, it's, it's for those that don't know it, it's a TV show aimed at young teenagers, um, aimed at teenagers, and it's just making science really fun mm. and a bit wacky. It's always someone different, isn't it, every year? Yeah, so yeah. they get like a professor in each year. Um, and the year that I did it in 2016, it was all about energy. And we were talking about how um, cows produce so much methane from right. their burps. And the, the producer comes to me and says, I was the researcher on it. So I had to set up experiments and mm. things that will work on telly. And they said, can you find an actual, like real cow to come on, on set and just be in the show? Which <laughs> so, is like be stationary. Yeah, so they brought on this miniature cow, which is miniature in the sense that it is so it wasn't small. a calf. It no, was like an actual it's cow, an actual miniature. cow. Like right. you get miniature pigs. It's it was short. It sort of came up to I don't know about my your waist really, okay. but it was really it was still really long like a cow. So right. it was just odd, and luckily it went all fine. But you wow. know, so it was all right in the night in the end. It was all right in the okay. night, but it's one of those situations where I look back on my career and I'm just like. How did that... What a bizarre situation to mm. be in. I don't think I'll ever be in that situation. <laughs> Definitely not. I hope not. Welcome to the Just Checking In pod after all that. What an intro. Crikey. Sorry, yeah, um, I love to chat. I realised doing this intro, it's 
probably I'm a bit of a novice compared to you when it comes to podcasting. <laughs> but um, I'm going to I'm learning all the time. I, um, so I'm hoping this won't be an eye-opening experience as well. Yeah, definitely. I yeah. literally, I love podcasts. I love chatting about mental health. I, you know, you're such a force to be reckoned with anyway. Thank with you very you're much. Doing, God, so. a force. That's such, yeah. such an overstatement, but I'll take it. <laughs> so no, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this. Mm. Um, now for the listeners, we know each other through going to the same sort of sister school, shall we say. So I joined a school called Ilford County High for sixth form, which is an all boys school. Um, and you joined the all girls version, which is called Woodford County High. But I didn't actually realise that you'd only joined it for sixth form until yeah. we started the research for this pod. Yeah. I thought you'd been there from year seven. No, so I confusingly went to a different school called Ilford Ursuline. Big up Ilford Ursuline. Which has nothing to do with Ilford County, which nope. is your school. Yep. And in completely different areas. <laughs> yeah. One is in Ilford and one is in Arkansas. <laughs> um, so yeah, I was also a newbie to Woodford. Um, didn't seem like it. I just thought you knew, you knew everyone already. I was like, this... <laughs> It's just girls, she just goes everyone. She just doesn't yeah. stop talking. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm not entirely sure. Like, I think it was through mutual friends that we became friends at school, but I don't think we properly knew each other until sort of after uni, really, yeah, wasn't so it? Yeah, so I think we met through a girl... Probably Jess. Yeah. Jess Marsh, yeah. One of my best mates. Um, and then... Yeah, it's just one of those things where we live. It's you see someone in the pub, you're like, oh hey, yeah. like, how's and you're like it going? how did you meet? How did we meet? Like, I don't really remember no. the George, the George, somewhere. What's a George? Yeah. And then I think we followed each other on Twitter, and we have such a similar taste in music mm. that I would always be like, yes, Freddie, that band is so good. <laughs> <laughs> and we just like constantly like, guys, I found this new artist, and then Freddie would just like a tweet and be like, I'm already listening to them. <laughs> I've already listened to three of their albums. <laughs> I've gone for the whole discography. I bought tickets to their band. <laughs> Building us to their gig, yeah. Yeah, I'm, so, I'm like that. I'm a proper music nerd. Yeah, yeah. so me too. Um, you know my boyfriend mm-hmm, as well, mm-hmm. and it we was, went to school together. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's just one of those little. So thirty six degrees East London. Yeah, community, yeah, 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 yeah. But I definitely think I de- the thing that stands out for me is just like the Twitter music support, which mm. was very much my life mm. through uni, and probably quite similar for you. Yeah, as well. definitely, definitely. Um, and yeah, from that, that's. Here we are. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> shall we um shall we get started then? Yes, definitely. Sick. Let's get straight into it, Izzy, and start with our first topic, which is your professional career as an audio producer and presenter and, and how you really got started in the media industry. So so first of all, just tell me how you got into it, you know, what inspired you to give it a go? Because it's not a skill you can just sort of pick up really producing for everyone. Um and you need a lot of sort of tech sort of skills don't you so who so who influenced you and or who helped you get to where you are as well so I was studying at university um and I was doing physics at uni but throughout my whole like teenage years I'd been a big like music head like I was in well to be honest mostly classical music my parents are musicians um I was in choirs all of that stuff did you go to Redbridge Music School yeah Yeah, everyone knew each other at Redbridge Music School (laughs) didn't they one of the cool yeah always hear the conversations oh you go to Redbridge I mean it's not cool but I loved it I did um but I got to university and I I was just done with like choirs and all of that the performing side yeah, yeah I just I wanted to do something that was music based that wasn't being in a choir because it for whatever reason I'd grown out of it and I just didn't want to do that anymore um 
and Nottingham, where I went, was really known for its student radio station. So I was mm, like, yeah, big, big time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was like, oh, do you know what? I'll, I'll give this a go. And in fact, in my first year, I wasn't even on air. I was just in the playlist team, like, again, finding new music, mm. putting it forward. Um, and I had, yeah, I just had access to so much music and was just like, oh, I love this. And then you'd get to know I'd, I'd made friends there so mm. if they had a radio show I'd I'd go on and I'd, I'd have a chat with them just as a guest to be like you know a guinea pig for a stupid game mm. that a friend had made up put um, your face out there yeah and I basically got into student radio that way had my own show ran the station by my third year um and it's quite a, quite a steep rise then quickly. it was yeah. yeah it was a lot I mean it was so full on and juggling that with a physics degree was I look back. Your hours it. must have been quite heavy. Yeah, yeah I look yeah, back on it degrees. and it was insane, but I absolutely loved it. Mm. Um, and so that was like the real beginning of you know what I'm going to give this a go because I got I in my when was that my third year I won a national student radio. Award, I remember that. Yeah, I remember which, you getting that. Which like yeah. for me at the time I was like this is such a big deal, which was the best female presenter student presenter in the country, mm. and which meant I got to do a show on Radio One. I did a three hour show on Radio One. Wow, so yeah. that was almost like it wouldn't. Would you be fair to say that was almost a big break then? In yeah, a way. Your it first, was. Or your first break. Yeah, yeah, it was one of those things of a moment of like, oh, this is actually more than just a hobby. Like mm. I could make, this could be a job. Mm. Um, it's quite scary because, you know, a lot of my friends with a subject like physics were going into grad schemes. There's very much a career path for there. But in... I was aware that going into media, there's not that mm. clear. It's it's tough. It's like, not a straight line, and is everyone it? Yeah. wants to do it, especially if you're thinking of going into music journalism or whatever. Like that's everyone sees like the glistening lights of Radio One or Capital. Um, so yeah, I got into that way, and I, as you said at the beginning, like I was lucky that my first introduction was um, I did the show on Radio One, and then I graduated and three months later I got an internship at Six Music mm. um, and I started at Six Music and it, that's how I became an assistant producer for them mm. because I did this internship but and then I sort of found that after a while I really missed the pull of science like mm. I wasn't con I was constantly learning new things in radio but I missed that actual learning of you know new concepts that science throws at you all the time like physics was so full on and, I, and before I was always adamant that I'd never do science radio I was like yeah music's mm. for me that's it and what was that was there a particular reason did you see science radio as something that wasn't particularly hip or cool or was it something yeah, yeah. definitely yeah. I just thought that you know what that it's to be really honest I was like men are presenting this older men are presenting this it's just a dry format mm. that that's and I, and I now know that that was completely wrong but also part of me going switching over to science was I met people that were doing different change it. Yeah, yeah exactly mm -hmm. and I was like oh I want I want to do that I really enjoy it and mm. um you know working on that science tv show I worked with a production company who were making you know cool space programs for world service and I got to help them you know with a bit of editing here and there mm. um and so I sort of started to realise that, yes, I, I wanted to focus all of my attention on science and then eventually got this job at The Naked Scientist where I was there for two and a half years as mm. a producer and presenter. And we were such a small team, which is great that you 
you have to do everything. So I was producing, presenting, coming up with ideas and then making them happen mm. for radio. And at the same time, speaking to pe scientists that were discovering the latest things and they've got papers coming out that, you know, are really interesting but also quite complex so you have to work out how to make that story interesting to a general audience as well and that's there's i think basically i loved science um and i wanted to make it as accessible as possible and try and get people to like it as much as i do um which is maybe a bit arrogant but um that is my driving force even now now that i've gone freelance is just uh you know, science, everything can be is science related, and it's all around us. You know, the the tech. Much like mental health. Yeah, exactly, mm. and like, and even things like that. Just opening those conversations that can people can think that they're difficult, mm. um, and that's sort of my motivation to just mm. do science content because I really enjoy it and I think it's really important. Mm. Going back to that that first show you did, um, what was that process like leading up to? You know, you, you got the award, which obviously was a massive deal, but then getting did it, did the show come off the back of it and they said they just said to you right you're doing you've got the opportunity to do this Can, do you want to do this three hour show like did you have to sort of build concepts and develop skills in your presenting style that you hadn't done before because it was such a long show um, you know music selections all yeah. that sort of stuff what was the process leading up to it so the show was essentially the prize for winning the award um and to be honest, I was an absolute nervous wreck. Like I listened back to that show and I'm like, I forgot it's to- It's still available. Like it's still in the ether somewhere. I think I've got- I've <laughs> got, got the, I've got it. <laughs> but I listened back to it and I was like, you forgot to have fun. I was so worried about how I sounded and there's nowhere to hide in audio. People can only hear your voice and it's, it's a bit shaky. <laughs> it's like, the voice break comes yeah, in. It's like, oh, I've got this, I'm introducing this new song by George Ezra. You're like, hello, you're listening to Clark on Radio 1. <laughs> um, so, yeah, and I think I had never worked with a producer before. I There's so much more structure that goes into Radio 1, whereas I was a student and I would just rock up with a couple of ideas on the day of my, sh of my show um, and just talk nonsense for like three hours but I loved it and, but, and I never really planned it mm. as much. There would be some key things like a gig interview or... Um, weekly games if that was like a free lunch giveaway those were set formats that i knew i'd do um so then to work with a producer from radio one i didn't i didn't lean on them as much as i should have because i had never worked with one and mm. i didn't really know this producer presenter dynamic and actually all of the shows that you love you know great presenters make it sound like they are just excellent mm, speakers so natural, and, and, yeah. they nat and they are but there's also the legwork that the producers do that get the shows off the ground mm. um and i probably just should have ironically communicated with them more mm. just having that opportunity i think was definitely like a a big push to say like you mm. know give this a go mm. you have to see where this could go mm. and if it doesn't work out then it doesn't work out but at least you can say you tried mm. and just going back to your degree now so obviously a lot like you said a lot of science people who like people who do science degrees don't actually end up doing things in science a lot mm. of the time they, they might go into finance or they might go into what you've done which is podcasting how did your degree give you the sort of 
educational knowledge and the basis for doing podcasts about it? It's interesting. I think that's actually something I've had to sort of learn on my own, mm-hmm. really. I I think, you know, my degree gave me great ground knowledge of physics, you know, especially space. Mm. I'm going to talk about space so much. But I remember doing one module in my master's year, which was called, uh, what was it, like perception politics and philosophy of physics which was nothing to do with actual physics i was gonna say it doesn't sound like physics at all. yeah there was no equations <laughs> it was like more like canton like yeah like, it actually was it was but it was basically about physics in society and how people how physicists can actually or scientists in general can work with you know political advisors and mm-hmm. and things like that um and that opened up my world a little bit more because i loved that that module for me was like oh my god yes i love talking about scientists as human beings they're mm-hmm. not just like this other group mm-hmm. you know um and i think that was one discussion that mm. really helped me i reflect on that quite a lot when i'm mm. doing when i'm working mm. um and i think that also helps me see that yeah you i could pair up this hobby and my degree and make something else mm. of it i think historically science was has has been and and possibly still is but maybe to a lesser degree quite a male dominated sphere maybe in the celebrity sort of scientist world but i think we're now seeing more female scientists never before study science um, and carving out their own careers and sort of breaking down those barriers speaking from your own experience we we mentioned off air how you'd encountered some sexism yourself while studying as a female scientist just just tell me a bit about that and some of those experiences yeah so i think it's getting better and i think the realm of you know women's like speaking out is is getting there and i think you know i'm such a champion of like women in stem subjects um in terms of my own experiences i just got the shock of my life going to university really yeah in what sense i'd gone to all girls schools through high school sick form um and I, some of it, you know, what my high school in particular, we didn't have the best science facilities. Like labs weren't great. Not many schools ever do, to be honest. It's just Bunsen burners and exactly like, like, like carbon dioxide taps like, where everyone just turns them on and almost like explodes the school. Exactly. It's like oh, I mean, we're my gonna... school's a bit rougher than other people. No, right? no. but it was. It actually was. It's like oh, we're gonna do an experiment. You know, get the Bunsen, Bunsen burner burners out. out. Yeah. I'm like, I'm doing physics. Like, yeah. I don't need a Bunsen burner. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I'd gone to all girls schools and I turned up for my first introductory lecture and was just like swamped a by sausage fest. yeah it was yeah. like white men and like i'd gone you know east london it's really diverse i'd gone mm. to all girls schools again really mixed schools mm. um to then turn up at university where everyone was white and everyone was a guy and i was just like i was i just it hadn't even crossed my mind that really? that 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 was, that was a thing yeah, and yeah. I remember seeing my my friend who is now like one of my best friends Synthager who went to Woodford County as well and we weren't really close in sick form but she also studied physics at Nottingham and she walked in and I think she had a similar reaction and we just found each other we're like hi familiar face like oh my god <laughs> what is happening um and I think I always I will always remember that first lecture and I've been like okay well this is how it is 
And I actually think it's quite interesting of how many girls that were studying physics in my year had gone to all girls schools. There is such an issue of women being, I don't know, discouraged. I don't know. I don't know what it is. I probably should have done a bit more research into this, but there is statistics that girls in mixed schools Mm. are less likely to take um, well, science A levels. Yeah, okay. yeah. Considering that you know everyone does science GCSE, mm. that conversion from GCSE into AS level or A level because I don't mm. AS doesn't exist, but is quite terrifying. Mm. Whereas if you're in an all girls school, there's there's not that other sort of mental pressure on you to be like, oh, what sh- what subject should I do? You're there's less pressure, I think, so mm. people go for what they feel more comfortable doing. Mm. Um, and I think that's quite interesting on how your environment can Im- actually influence your choices that you make mm. when you're not even aware of it, really. Um, and were they, were they, in the experiences that you mentioned, were, they, were there examples of just overt sexism or was it more subconscious biases um, or...? A, a mixture of both. I think I was quite lucky that I had a really great group of friends um, and especially a really close group of girlfriends. And we were often, I know, we were often called like bossy or loud or whatever. But that's, Really? Yeah, that's because we challenged it and we weren't mm. afraid to challenge it. Um, and I'd have friends that would be like, oh yeah, but you're a girl, like, or whatever. And it would be a, a joke. Supposedly, but there's obviously some, but there's it's, always something it's behind just it. It's like, there? oh, yeah. come on, like this again. And I remember, like, again, me and Synthager actively like having arguments and debates with people to be like, you just can't say that. Like, you just what kind of things were, the, what were said in can't... seminars then? It would just, it would just, it would always be said as a joke, like, oh, um, you know, just oh, but you wouldn't understand that because you're a girl or or things like that. In a yeah. seminar? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, 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 I would yeah, not, yeah. I mean, even if I was sexist, I wouldn't say that in a seminar. Yeah, and it would just be like, and it's just like, oh, come on, just shut up. Like, I'm so done with this. But what was it in relation to, though? I'm trying just, to figure out what, what comment that would it be. It would just be like, if you're trying, if you didn't quite understand something, which is pretty obvious for physics because it's quite full on that <laughs> some of right. the bizarre things. It's fucking hard. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I did, I've got um, siege of science UCSE for a reason. Yeah, so yeah and like I think it was yeah it was I but don't get me wrong I had a brilliant time at Nottingham and those instances I'm happy to say weren't all the time but they really opened up my eyes to actually you know women in science still have there are are more pressures and more issues with progress progressing to higher levels Mm. in academia Mm. um with that Mm. yeah and, and just moving on to sort of the media industry now, and and as you said before, you know it, it's a horrendously difficult industry to break into. Mm. I think whatever genre of media you go into, sport, science, yeah. whatever, um, not just because of the competition, but also the way it's built upon connections, already established networks. Um, you know, you might get one opportunity to to make your mark, and if you don't take it, then you might not get that again. You know, stuff like that. So, how did you navigate this world? after you got that sort of break at Radio 1 and, 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 and tell me about sort of the intricacies that happened within it. I would say um, I'm really lucky. My parents live in East London. So that was already one step. That That is one That's less the hurdle. That's the you both have, isn't it? Yeah. Because yeah. we could be earning shit money and... Yeah. And... 
pay our dues basically yeah. yeah like i was able to use my family home as a crutch but whilst i you know chase the dream mm. um and you know i know that not everyone has that and i think across the industry it is a problem so i i definitely made the most of that internship at six music that was i would associate that more with like the beginning of you know my my journey yeah Yeah. yeah. um and actually before it though i was miserable like Mm. i was fresh out of university which everyone goes through the fear of like shit like what do i do like no one's telling me what to do now what are my choices um and i (laughs) i technically i mean i was freelancing but i was also mostly (laughs) unemployed Mm. but trying to do internship after internship so i did one with six music and luckily that just went really well it was a month-long internship you know no expenses or anything so if I didn't have my parents here in London then literally it would have been impossible Mm. and from that they took me on as a freelance assistant producer Um, and then I did another internship with a different production company which was still very much music focused Um, and I had to I just was like speak to everyone I will speak to everyone mm. and try and be memorable. Mm. Um, and that's and, a skill in itself because not a lot of people can yeah, do that. Yeah, I was, I'm quite happy in a nice way to be that like persistent person or I just email people that I really liked what they were doing, a, a producer and say, can we go for a chat over a coffee? Like, I would love to just know how you got to where you are. Mm. And it's, yeah i just sent so many emails a lot of people didn't get back to me some did um and i was just beavering away really and waitressing (laughs) in my spare time um to actually get paid Mm. and after you know six months six months eight months i then built those relationships that people were like oh yes izzy she is freelance she can do this and it's one of those things that if you put legwork in it, it will eventually build up. And I've just gone freelance again and I'm, you know, four months into it now. And I'm found that this month it's really started to pick up. So it, it's patience. But it's, it's, it's not never a straight line, is it? No, no. and I found it so hard. I felt like, one, you've just come out from university, like you, I moved home. I wasn't really earning anything because I was doing internships and waitressing on the side. And you're just like, oh my God, what's the, What's like, the what's point? My life? Yeah, Why am I doing yeah. this? Where I've got friends that have got like actual career, like they're mm. already in the grad, grad schemes. schemes and the thirty-five k, forty k. Oh my god! I hadn't worked out the work-life balance. I hadn't worked out, you know, taking time for myself, and I found that it made me miserable. I was, I when I love being at work, and when I had stuff to do, I loved it, um, but I didn't know how to remember to have downtime, mm. um, and I. I definitely think I just I felt so anxious like mm. all the time mm. um, because you know I felt worried seeing friends it's because the, the comparison yeah, yeah yeah the comparison was killer like and everyone says it looks really great that you're doing all of this stuff on the outside because you're like oh Radio 1 that's cool or Six Music that's mm. cool and it, I loved it I did um, but it's it wasn't like a forever job there was no guarantee that just because I'm working there for one week that I'd be there the next week because that's the the nature of freelance. So juggling that when you're fresh out of university Mm. and trying to make so many adjustments was quite a lot to take on. Mm. Was there there any project that you found had 
quite a profound effect on you, not just as a professional, but but also perhaps your mental health as well. So something that took you out of your comfort zone or something that, that improved your self-esteem or, or your confidence as, as a producer? Um, just going on the confidence, I remember my first ever show for The Naked Scientist and I worried about everything. Mm. Like... I was so anxious and my brain would take me into the places of... The overthinking is mad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just be like, what if that guest doesn't turn up? What if their microphone breaks? Blah, blah, blah. Mm. And you're just like, what world are you living in? Like, no, it's going to be fine. But I have to go through all of the things that could go wrong. But you put the pressure on yourself, don't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd have to... I always have to have a backup plan. I'd have to go through all of it. Um, I think it got to... Basically, I think I once had a show where so many things went wrong. Like, mm. it was... The, you get the overthinking scarring as well. I know. I, yeah. But actually, if anything, I'm kind of glad that it happened um, because I came out the other end of it. So everything did break. I had one guest in Italy and one guest somewhere else, probably America, and both of their microphones broke. Like, and you're not even in the same location as them. Mm so you can't even fix it. You're just mm. like, okay, so now I've got 15 minutes of radio that I just need to fill. Mm. And it it was it was pretty shocking. Like we luckily got to redo a few things after we were on air, but I was just like, okay, so everything that could have gone wrong did. Mm. And I got through it. So if anything, it wasn't like something that was hugely successful that helped my self-esteem. It was something that went so badly mm. and I just was okay. And yeah. it was just like, it's not, it's not, you know, you can get through this. Mm. And if anything, that that's probably what made me relax so much more. I think that was like four months into my job mm. and everything went wrong. And I was like, okay, well... You took a lot from it in the learning. Yeah, well. yeah, yeah. I was yeah, like, I was don't set up two live guests that are on other sides of the world and don't have <laughs> any backup. Mm. <laughs> so yeah, definitely a learning curve. Mm. For for any sort of budding podcast producers or assistants or whoever mm. it is that are listening to mm. you want to get into the industry themselves, you want to become podcasters, you want to become producers, what advice would you give them? Just do it. Um, I know that's easier, but like money is important. So if you have to do your day job completely understand, I mean, you do all of this off your own back. There's but, a lot sometimes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so work out what is good for you, but just give it a go. Like, especially if it's making a podcast, mm. use your phone to start off mm. with. You can just set that up and record. Like I will sometimes get guests to use that as a microphone to record something on a on an interview. I thought you most of mine on. Yeah, we're lucky that you've got some kit. We're actually yeah. using some yeah, high yeah, quality yeah. sound. <laughs> so yeah, well exactly. Um, and also with editing software, there are free things that you can use out there. There was Audacity, which is an editing software. So if you want to do something like that, you just have to give it a go. Whether it's a website, you know, there are platforms out there where you can start a blog and it's it's just things like that if you want to say yeah I want to be a writer well write for yourself and host it somewhere so that if someone says you know hey I'd like to see it you've got it there mm. um I I am definitely one to like overthink it and it's only through time that I've just been like just just don't listen to that little voice 
keep going and um, just do it. Mm. And, you know, if it's not great, then you don't have to post it. And also, your first one, I've learnt this, and I'm sure you've learnt it, the first thing that you do of anything is not going to be your best. But no. you've done it, and you learn each time. And that's Just listen to the first podcast. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Tim was great, but my podcasting skills, I was like, and the... Yes, that and the thing that is the thing, I was like, wow, I really was reading off a script quite it's, it's Also, that is a skill. Like, learning mm. to not sound like you're reading a script is like... Yeah. That is the hardest thing, yeah, I find. Yeah, it is, yeah. yeah. So if you have a passion project or whatever it is, just just do it. Like mm. in whatever way, shape or form it takes, just give it a go mm. um, and go from mm. there. And for any sort of young female producers as well, would you, would you give any more specific advice to them? Um, have confidence in yourself, definitely. Um, and why I, is that important? I just think I so thought that everyone else's opinions were so much more important than mine and actually they'd be like oh we could do this thing and people be like yes let's do that and I was like oh I thought I I had that same thought but I never said it Mm. and I didn't have that confidence to have a presence in a meeting or or anything um so I've I'm trying and I'm still trying to do it is and I I don't want this to sound like arrogant but to go into something without thinking um almost like you don't care like almost like don't worry about it just say what is true to you like be true to yourself as Mm. cliche as that sounds like you know be and be honest don't tell people what they what you think they want to hear because you i've got myself into tricky situations like we all have yeah Yeah. exactly so and especially going freelance this second time around that's something that i've really tried to work and and have stuck to because um if you've got clients they if you tell them one thing but actually you can't do it then well they'll probably never book you again so Mm. you do have to be honest and you have to be honest to yourself just to juggle your workload Mm. and I think yeah definitely speak up Mm. (laughs) speak up if you've got opinions let them be heard um yeah we talked about Izzy the producer presenter journalist extraordinaire (laughs) now I want to talk about is he the person and your own journey? And we've alluded to the little bits of it here and there in, in that previous topic. Now, for as long as I've known you, you've always been this very sort of bubbly, chatty, sort of like me, a little bit self-deprecating at times. Mm. Sometimes as a self-defense mechanism for me personally, but I'm sure you might have experiences of that as well. Sort of social chameleon who can get on with absolutely everyone, make friends at the drop of the hat. Um, was this an ability that was always sort of innate in you or was it something that you've learned or was it ever something that was ever a negative as well at times? Um, I was not, no, basically, no, this, I haven't always been like this. Um, I would say probably since like my late teens, I think going to my sick form instantly met my group of friends. I felt so comfortable and I think that was when I became so much more comfortable in my own skin, really. Mm. Um, As a teenager, I would say I had some really close, good friends and I'm still friends with them now from like my childhood, um, from like really young age, like primary school ages. But I would say 
in my high school, I, I didn't really know where I fitted in. So you did have one particular group or yeah, yeah, I had like two really good friends. Um, but there, I th- and I think also going to girls' school, there's lots of drama, mm. like especially going through puberty as well, like lots of emotions. And I just never really felt like I had, I, I, I didn't really know where I fitted in in it was a different the time scheme. when we were going to school yeah, as well I think yeah. people were a lot kids were a lot harsher than perhaps they are now I don't know yeah but at the same time I'm glad I'm not going through like the oh Insta- fuck being a kid now oh, Jesus going Christ. through the Instagram this, age yeah, like and the, no and all just eight nine different social media platforms yeah all at the same time and like so I think I think there were pressure on appearances I think I think a lot of that as well I I didn't like I had a lot of issues on like how I looked mm-hmm. um, and I think that probably made me like a, a bit I, I was self-conscious basically mm. um, and then I changed schools and I just found a group of friends who I'm like my best friends now mm. and I, I I just felt comfortable and I was like yes I I can be louder like I again I have a voice mm. you know Um and I think that really helped. I definitely wasn't always like this chatty mm. person. I was always busy. I was that kid that, you know, I was like in all of the choirs. All the choir, yeah. yeah. 17 I, different yeah. social clubs. Yeah. And I did I, I did stuff like that. Um, yeah. So no, not always like that. But it's so interesting that you say self-deprecating because I, I know I'm the worst. Like, I'm so bad at it. And I'm trying to not be like that. It's a tick, I find. It's so funny. Mm. And I didn't realise that, like, people notice. Like, I don't know. It's, I, mm. yeah, it's just one of those things. It's, like, it's, oh. Yeah, it's one of those things where people will say, why are you so hard on yourself? I'm just I, like, I don't really have an explanation for it. Well, I, I do, but it's a, it's a deep explanation. Yeah. I can't be bothered to explain it. I don't, I don't. And I, I, even now I'm like, oh, you just sound like that person. Like, mm. just move on. Mm. <laughs> but yeah. um, Looking back at your time at, at Ilford Ursuline and then Wilford County, were there any mental health experiences that, that you had then that you could pinpoint now? It's so interesting. I... I just think I hadn't realised like I've, I've mentioned it my appearance like I I was a bit overweight I would say and I didn't quite realise how self-conscious I felt and how that impacted me I would say growing up but I would say like for me the, the biggest change in like my realising what mental health meant was definitely at university mm. Um, and when you got to university, we spoke off air about a mental health issue that's, I'd probably say, part of anxiety, or mm. it's within the umbrella term of mm. anxiety, um, which is something called imposter syndrome. Now, for those who don't know what this means, let, let's define it first of all. So, so to you, Izzy, what is imposter syndrome and how does it affect you? Imposter syndrome is one of those things where you think that you don't have the right to be somewhere like you've got there by chance like you're going to be found out that you are found the, out. You're, yeah that's the big one you are the imposter and i hadn't really realized i didn't know it had a name until i left university when i was speaking to an old professor because i was thinking about doing this women in science podcast and i said oh yeah well you know i'm not a physicist and she was like yes you are like you've just done a physics masters like you are a physicist and 
it's a it's it's a really big thing for women in science and and physics just thinking like oh yeah i got here by chance i'm gonna get found out um and i i definitely i felt like that at university i felt like oh god i've just this is all a bit of a fluke really um and i didn't i didn't know that it had a name until years later um but it's it's something I'm definitely I'm I'm working on it. Mm. Um, I think I've got a bit I've got better at it. Mm. And again, ignoring that little s- s- voice inside your head that's just like, hey, mm. you shouldn't do that. Like, don't bother doing that. It's not mm. going to work out. You know, um, stuff like that. But that's probably like the biggest one mm. of the biggest things I've had to do. With. And is it is it very much an internalized thing for you, or is it something which beha- affects your behavior as well in any way? Um, I mean, you mentioned the little voice. Obviously, it is internalizing that sixth yeah. level. Does it something that projects itself? Yeah, I would say like every. It's got better as I've got older. I think it's. I think it's a confidence thing as well. To be like, mm. no, you've done a good job. It's fine. Like, mm. um, it's always with new projects. I think if I take something on that I've not done before, um, that's when I probably. Mm. Over, I overthink things basically. And is it something which only affects your professional life, or is it some things that are, is it something that has affected your personal life as well? Um, I think every now and again it does affect my personal life. I think it's like if someone's having a chat and they're joining in a conversation, and you're like, oh, will they find that funny? Or maybe I won't say that. And it's really small things, and you know, they're my friends. Like they don't give a damn. But mm. they're every now and again. But I think it's. Um, probably to do with something else that's going on that I then it takes me a while to warm up if I've Mm. had like a really stressful day I'll then probably carry that into the evening a little bit and you're Mm. just like no unwind come Mm. on stop that now Um, but yeah Yeah. as so many people know like it's not as easy as just saying okay I'm going to stop that now like it's mental health like Mm. you you can't never stop yeah exactly you can't can't just Oh, let, let me just press this magical button and all of a sudden everything's mm. fine. And for any of the listeners who, who, who might be living with imposter syndrome, in a big way or small way, we must stress that it's, it's, on, it's on a spectrum like anything mm. else. What advice or tips would you give them in, in how they can deal with it or cope with it effectively from your own experiences? Hmm. I... I don't really know. I think it's just taking the time out to think it's fine you are fine like it's not the end of the world and just trying to gain like what is realistic and what is just fantasy of your your mind running away with you Mm. and trying to work out where that middle ground is i think sometimes what really helps is if i do feel worried or anxious saying what is the worst thing that could happen like okay if that scenario plays out Mm what will that impact on you that's a really good piece of advice I um, think. and may you know it's not always good to focus on the worst things mm. but i it just, it just for mm. me it just helps to be like you're 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 being silly now like mm. it is going to be fine but i just need to try and play mm. that out does that help you separate sort of the emotion from the thought and make yeah. it seem less irrational yeah. yeah i love writing lists as well i just write lists mm. of if and if if i keep thinking about something i'll just write it down and it's almost like i've taken it out of my brain and i've put it down to paper so it exists somewhere mm. and then you can just focus on the task at hand um i also yeah that helps me as well 
our final topic of conversation, Izzy, and it's one I have with all my special guests, which is a general natter about our mental health. So firstly, how would you say your mental health is at the moment? I'd say it's okay. I think the past few months have been a bit tricky because I've just gone freelance, as mm-hmm. I've said. A lot of tumultuous Yeah, times, just basically. knowing of like, <laughs> do I have any money? Like, mm. will I ever get work again? Mm. And um, luckily this month has really picked up. So that's great. And so right now I'm like, yeah, I'm so excited. I've got mm. loads of projects to work on. Um, but in the few, few months running up to this, pretty a little bit like up and down Mm. because i couldn't plan for anything really Mm. and if you felt comfortable saying what mental health issues or conditions if any do you live with and how do they affect you in your day-to-day life i think probably anxiety just worrying about things and overthinking things too much Mm. um i yeah i think that is one of one thing i have carried with me um and probably even more so just living in the you know post-university I think Mm. that's the thing that's come on more because you are responsible you're more responsible for yourself now Mm. like um and that I'm, I'm quite lucky that I would say my boyfriend for me is quite self-confident like so and he's really helped me to become more confident Mm. and and I, I definitely think that has helped. Mm. And what age do you think you were when you first sort of, or maybe looking back first, mm. realised that these thoughts you were having weren't physical when actually they were in your, your mm. mind? Um, I think... I, I think I was in denial for quite mm. a long time, especially even after university going freelance. I was just like... But I know I don't have mental like I don't have mental health issues. Don't like, think it affects you. Yeah, yeah. Because I actually throughout university I had friends that went through a lot of trouble. Like in my second year, my best friend had to my my housemate had to drop out of university for um, half of the year and restart her second mm. year. And for me, that was one of my first experiences with quite like severe depression. Mm. And so, yeah, and I don't have that, so therefore, yeah, yeah, and I was just like, oh, but you know, it's not quite, it's not that, and obviously, mental health comes in so many. And you compare yourself as well, yeah, yeah, and you don't want to be a problem because I wanted to be such a support for my friends that were going through harder things than I than I was. Mm. So you almost have that. You don't want to say it because you know, if your friends are going through stuff, you don't want to be like, oh yeah, well, I am struggling too, too. yeah. Um, yeah probably after university mm. was when i realized that actually i'm just got like a nervous mm. tick and my my sister got me a book and i was like oh okay so people have noticed that mm. i'm a bit like off mm. essentially i'm not chatty or mm. some i do have my like my down days was it an epiphany then or was it sort of a slow realization yeah i think it was a slow realization it was just like yeah just some days you just don't feel you don't really you don't feel like yourself or your image of yourself um or what you want people to see you as and then you that becomes a bit of an internal circle because you're like oh everyone sees me as like happy 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 i don't feel like that today but i want them to that's how I want people to see me mm. um, so yeah it's quite an interesting like circle going around but yeah it was definitely a slow burner mm. 
but I've noticed those signs and mm. I've yeah mm. I, I'm aware of trying to get myself out of a funk mm. uh, and what things do you find in life that might trigger your mental health so sounds sensations things people might say places I really struggle with the conversations of like future planning like if people are comparing of like oh I'm doing this or mm, I'm that going that gets me as well I'm yeah. going on this holiday or I'm planning to like oh, and it sounds so ridiculous but like even like buying a house or I've just got this pay rise or whatever and I can't help but take that all on and then throw it back at me and be like I'm not doing that shit ha and then, and then you're like, oh my God, what? Should um, I be doing this? Yeah, 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 like, oh my God. Why am I not doing this? This is an awful mistake. Or, and I, my boyfriend tells me off of this all the time. You know, uh, if I always play the what if card, like, what if I had never done this? I should have just gone and got a job and do whatever mm. in something else. Or if I was doing this and I would have done X, mm. Y, Z. Um, and it's just like, but you haven't done that. So you haven't done, like, li- like focus on what you're doing now. Don't put even more anxiety and pressure on yourself and talking about all these other situations that could have been. Because mm. um, your journey is your journey. Yeah, that is a part of yeah, 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 definitely. Um, but the compar- yeah, the comparison is you know i guess that mustn't help with social media as well yeah i've recently I've, I've muted a lot of people yeah and i just like especially this week i mean i don't know when this is going out but we've literally just had the general election mm. and i've just turned off social media i'm just like yeah, i, I can't say. i actually cannot right now mm. um which is a shame but you know it is what it is so for mm. now i'm just trying to focus and also try, and we'll probably get onto it but just like having a balance of other things mm. that just aren't work mm. I think the comparison things I mean I get it as well and the mute I've mute so many people and people actually that I used to be quite good friends with and it's just like I almost find that sort of thing where it's kind of kind of it's quite bad to say but like I might see them again in real life I'm just like you're so boring mm. and you it's just you're just people are just living double lives mm. and I and I used to be quite like annoyed and I used to be like well I don't like it that you're being this braggy mm. or, like this braggy mm. Mm. but now I'm just like I just feel quite sad yeah. that people feel the need to always do that but I, I, I think it's, it's self care I used yeah. to like you know I love I love Twitter but it's it's not helpful no it's not helpful and especially I think and it definitely plays into the whole um if like working in media like how you present yourself mm. um and just constantly i wasn't i and i would never tweet about like if i was having a down day like mm. i would ne- just wouldn't put it out there when actually sometimes that's probably quite a good thing to do but i would i just needed to deal with it in my in my own way mm. but i know loads of friends that are quite happy to share on social media like i am having a a bad day like I don't feel great my mental health is not good today and I think it's really interesting how people cope with that whereas for me if I'm having if I feel like I'm having like a an anxious day I try and just make a little list of things I'd like to do today and so it gives you a bit of focus to just even if it's small things like put a wash on wash your hair tidy your room just small really mm. achievable goals but then it's like cool done that great let's let's get on 
Um, um, and what methods and, and tools do you use in your own life to in, improve your mental health? You know, we spoke off air about some things that you're working on and mm. you want to do some more in, in, in next year. Just tell me a bit about them and, and which ones previously have you found that have worked and which ones maybe haven't? Um, I having started this podcast saying like I'm so done with choirs like I am joining a choir next year like <laughs> we've um, gone full circle yeah yeah basically <laughs> because it, this is the thing it was supposed radio was supposed to be a hobby and now it's That's become work. And now it's yeah. become work now you're like, like I don't want to do radio yeah. 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 Like, I'm done <laughs> no um, so I really do want to join a choir because I singing for just two hours is great mm. if you like singing obviously mm. um, so for me that is something that I'm really excited to do. Um, in, at the risk of sounding like a grandma, I have just started knitting. Um, I f- my friend Lydia absolutely loves knitting. Really? And she follows. Uh, she's she's oh got God. a knitting influence account, so I'll she, send you it uh, when we finish. Literally, this like yeah, yeah I'm gonna. She loves that I'm giving her a shout. I'll tell us listeners yes, when it comes out. Please do. She loves knitting, honestly. Um, oh, it's not in here. Um, but actually, hang on, I'm gonna get it. This. For the listeners, Izzy is now going to get a piece of knitwear it's, that she has knitted. Um, so it this, appears to be some sort of small cloth. It's a square piece of brown material, right. which looks pretty crap. Um, it could be something that you put like badges on when you've just done scouting. Do you know what? Girl guides. I was trying to palm these off on my boyfriend as coasters because they are literally just a square. A I'm not going to lie. Square. I don't think he's putting that in the restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> so I um yeah I just learnt to knit. Uh, it keeps me off social media, but mm. keeps my hands busy in the evening. It's not looking at another screen, especially that's what I do all day. If you're editing, you're looking at a screen, and I was just done. Like I'm mm. really, I'm really trying to reduce my phone time, not being on my phone into or watching stuff late into the evening. I've started reading a lot more, mm. and it's just you know trying to see friends more I get a bit like and trying to just get plans in the diary so that that is another thing that I can look forward to as well and it's just good to go out and see friends mm. who are your knitting influences and inspirations Babs from Chicken Run <laughs> yes. or, uh... oh my god shout out to Babs <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, actually my grandma was amazing at knitting mm. and um, we were going through the loft and we found all of her knitting needles and so I've taken those on and I was like right that's it I'm going to learn Carrying to knit Carrie on the Clark name yeah I mean I love it she, she knitted my sister a Power Rangers jumper when she was a kid I've which just, Power Ranger the yellow one wow that's hard yeah and I've all I can make is a poxy coaster <laughs> because it's just a square bit of material like you have to with, start somewhere yeah, yeah exactly so as I said the first thing that you do of anything will not be your finest work <laughs> um, um, how, how do you you've mentioned it previously about when you were at uni and you were, you were helping friends that you had with quite severe mental health mm. um, crises how do you support friends in your own social group who who may have mental health issues themselves, um, whether that be men or women? Um, as you are an advocate for, I'd like constantly checking in, just being like, "Hey, how's it going? Tell me about your life. Like, mm. what?" And I I know it's such, some people hate the question, like, "What's new?" Because you're like, "Where do I even begin?" If you have nothing, I have nothing. Yeah, and I was <laughs> like, I want to hear about like your lunch <laughs> I do um, I there are, there are just some friends that I know who have had like mental health issues that I and I love them to bits and I would hate 
for them to go through the hard times that I know they went through through university and feel like they had they couldn't talk about it and mm. we know each other so well that I can be like come on now you know I, I can just tell you know you have those friends where you can just tell that something is not right mm. and if you especially if you know that people have gone through mental health problems as well um and situations it's just you you know it's always good for them to know that you are there for them mm. um yeah i th i think even if it's just i unfortunately like some of my friends live in manchester so, so it's not easy to go and like hang out with them but they always laugh at me because i i am that sort of person that will ring them I will ring someone just randomly. I'll just give them a call. And yeah. I still leave voicemails. And they're like, my phone has told me that you've rang me. Like, you don't need to, a voicemail to be like, <laughs> hi, it's me, Izzy. Like, and I'll just leave them just like a weird voicemail. Just be like, I'm expecting you to call me back. So <laughs> speak to you soon. <laughs> um, and equally, I have um, one really good friend who is very open about her mental health on Twitter. So if I... If she tweets something, because she's got a private account, so it is like a very small few of us mm. that see it. So I will just message her, be like, tell me about it, what's going on? And even, you know, people are like, don't at me. They share it on Twitter because they don't, it, that's their way mm. of coping with it. They've got it out into the open. But I think I would just always be like, talk to me now. And it's, it's interesting, especially going, doing physics at university, the boys would never share it. That's gonna be my next yeah. question. How have you found, as a as a woman, yeah. sort of helping men in your social group? Because mm. I, I've been quite lucky in the sense that it's taken me so many years to get to where I am in in being open. Mm. But I still have loads of boy mates who really struggle to talk yeah. to me. Yeah, yeah. Although I am having more success with other boy mates that that I have. But yeah, how have you found that as as a woman and in, in helping men and and women as well? Yeah, um, I think. It's, it's just interesting, isn't it? That the, the, the male, like the dynamic between guys um, of not really opening up to their guy mates about how they're feeling. Whereas I'd have some really good friends in physics who would come to me or one of the other girls and be like, oh, this is going on. Like, oh, it didn't work out with this girl. And it's like really playing on my mind. and. Mm. They come oh, to you first instead yeah. of a boy. Yeah, might, yeah, 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 exactly. Um, and I, and obviously, like, always listen. Like, if anyone came to me and said, look, I'm having a rough time, I I would always be, I would always take the time to listen to it. I'd be like, even if it's, uh, even if you are busy, like, everyone's busy, everyone's got things to do, but you can, you can always, you can make time. Um, or I try, I, like, I'd like to think that I try to mm. and do. Um but, and I think, but equally, it's nice to have, com like, there are conversations that I have with my guy mates that I wouldn't have with my girl mates. Mm. And so I think it's it's an interesting, like, you have different dynamics mm. with different friends anyway, regardless of their gender. Mm. Have you found it, have you found it sort of, I mean, it's hard to quantify, but have you found that it's changing in recent years? Yeah, like, definitely. Like, guys are, you've seen your guy mates talk more to their guy mates outside of the whole, like... What I find a lot is with with guys that I know, it'll be okay. I'm struggling, and then the boys will be like, "Always here for you." Like we're here whenever you chat, but it'll yeah. just be it'll, that'll just that'll just be it. Yeah, like it won't ever be like a sort of deeper conversation. Yeah, than that. that's interesting actually. I think with some friends, 
some of the boys yeah they definitely talk about it more but i don't think they'd get into the depths of their mental health if some of us girls weren't part of the conversation as well i think Mm. of it it's more like we'd meet up and someone would be like oh yeah well my phd isn't going very well i found this really hard whatever um and i think the more that one boy in the group would open up then someone else comes in and says oh yeah well actually um i didn't get you know whatever this project of work went really badly and it was kind of my fault and I've been dealing with that pressure and it, I, I just I always come away from those conversations being like oh almost good like mm. not good that, that they've experienced that but at least they've shared at least they've come out and spoken about it um and even you know so with Rob like my boyfriend like I always encourage him to like ask how his mates are doing mm. i'm like have you spoken to so and so like mm. they've you've not really spoken about whatever one of your mates a lot recently have you heard from him like do you know what's going on with him like is he okay um and even with rob like i'm i i think sometimes you know i'm sure he's i i've not heard his podcast yet but it's um, pretty good yeah is it mm. interesting we'll see we'll see <laughs> which one gets the most listens <laughs> <laughs> um he um i know that he's dealing with something because he just becomes a bit quieter and mm. I mean, you know Rob, i'm like that as well yeah, yeah he's he's quite a loud guy and i'm like something's going on like what's up and the thing with me and him is people can always tell mm. which, and it's annoying that mm. people will re- mm. recognize it because mm. like if I, if something is really wrong with obviously me and it's probably a, a similar thing with a lot of other people that if you become really quiet then people will go what's up and yeah go, damn it I'm trying, to, I'm trying to master this in peace <laughs> <laughs> i'm trying to deal with this on my own yeah. god <laughs> um so yeah like and i had a lovely group of mates um at uni shout out a few uh hannah jack yasmin steve other jack ella and we we there were seven of us that lived together throughout all of uni um and the we were such an affectionate house like we'd always like give hugs and be like how was your day do you want a cup of tea (laughs) oh someone's gone through a breakup like rally the, the group would rally and i i think it's really nice i think that really helped some of the boys in our group that Ask the girls in the house are so affectionate be like mm. shall we get some cakes like we're gonna go and get some like we'd have me hannah and my friend jackson would have um ccc which was um crisps cakes and cookies and we'd, we'd so sort of like a middle class university yeah. version of gtl oh, Jim was, Tanning laundry <laughs> really okay <laughs> so it was um we'd have mic with ccc which is made in chelsea with like wow. all of these snacks it's like you were policy wonks before policy wonks <laughs> yeah. before you entered the political world doing acronyms all over the gap. yeah so we just have like these monday nights in jammies all the junk food and we knew like that was the beginning of the week and mm. we'd reset and like we'd chat mm. um and i think those those are the sort of times that i would really cherish because you know like oh if something's not going well i i have that little mm. bubble that i can just go to mm. and even now we have a whatsapp group and i'll be like guys this is not going well help and just have knowing that you have those select people who you know you can trust if you're not going through a good time that they will be there for you i think it's so important to know for everyone just to have those few people in their lives that you can lean on because you know if your friend's going through a 
tricky time they mm. can do exactly do the same for you mm. and just building on that as a final point um what do you think you know us as men can can learn from women and how we communicate better and with both with our mental health issues that we might be experiencing mm. or if we don't live with any mental health conditions how we express our emotions better and and be more open about it oh that is such a big question i know that's why i did it as the final one Oof. um i just think it's and everyone will get there in their own time mm. but it's just knowing that it is okay just talk about it like people will listen people will make time for you it's not a burden to go to a friend and say i'm not feeling okay like i'm not doing so good they are your friends like i you they will make time for you it's it, this is a thing it's not a burden it was never a burden to talk about your mental health Mm. you ask people what's going on in your life it doesn't mean like oh yeah i went shopping i've done this i went on holiday it's like how are you as a person you don't have to be doing something that's really cool and great and as this whole podcast stands for and what vent stands for is just just checking in just having a chat um i love the whole ethos of checking in twice like asking twice which i know for other mental health campaigns is mm, a big thing, thing. Yeah. or just asking twice just be like no what's really up if someone says yeah i'm fine and you can tell you can tell in someone's body if they're, they're not fine mm. what's really going on that's what i yeah, always say yeah yeah and in a nice way i try and i am a pest with some of my friends you have to be like, don't yeah you? yeah it depends on what they're going through as well yeah. and i i literally have so much admiration for people that openly share their stories if it's on like social media or whatever you know in whatever way that they share it because i think that takes so much courage and it will always help someone else it will always help someone else someone can always relate um so i think that I think people are amazing and brilliant and especially those that have gone through something and can help others in that same process. Amazing. Well, I think that's all we've got time for on this edition of the Just Checking In podcast. Izzy, thank you so much for being my special guest on this edition's pod and for checking in with me. Now, for anyone who wants to follow your work or perhaps your podcast that you do on social media and your quick-witted banter, where can they find you? Um, I am at Izzy Clark on Twitter. And how do you spell Izzy? Oh, I-Z-Z-I-E. There we go. Clark with an E. What do I talk about? Space, food, stupid gifts. <laughs> Cat meme video. culture my my cats who are not here but have you watched the cat meme of um i've watched every cat the meme. one of, the <laughs> i've one, watched them all the one with <laughs> the one saying well hi in a texas southern accent no you need to i'll show you that after we have you seen this. the one of a cat singing sandman no all right well okay we'll, we'll exchange we'll exchange <laughs> cat that? videos that's right um and where can they find work that you've got coming up? They can keep an eye out or ear out for my new podcast, which is all about astronomy with the Royal Astronomical Society. Um, I think it's going to be called Nevermind the Space Rocks. It's not I have been, seen the polls that have been going yeah, around about Poddybook Podface. It's and, not, yeah. yeah, we vetoed Poddybook Podface. <laughs> Um, but I think it's going to be called Never Mind the Space Rocks. It needs to get the official sign off, so it might not be that. But okay. um, but by the time this goes out, we might have first episode. Yeah. So I can put it in the description first, of the pod. Whatever. Like, first episode will be going out on the 20th of Jan 2020. Sick. 
Um, as always, thank you to all the venters who tuned in. Remember, if you've liked what you've heard, please give this a share on all the usual social media channels. Tell your work friends or colleagues about it. Or if you're feeling very, very generous, please write us a review on iTunes. We hope to check in with you again very soon. Remember, it's always okay to vent. Also, shout out to Freddie because he's amazing. <laughs> we'll leave that in as the, as please, the end. You have to. I am forcing this sentence in. You have to keep that in. <laughs>